0: Support for Elwood City Limits is made possible by Facebook, facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits, Twitter, at ECL Podcast, email, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com,
1: and by subscribing on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. Thank you, and and my free time. Hello, and welcome to Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Thanks a lot for joining us. My name is Will Young. I'm the host of this fine show where we talk about episodes of Arthur, PBS's Arthur, one episode at a time. And here to help me in that task is my co host, Lucas Mancini.
0: Do you hear that, Will? I think there's there's ghosts in the room cuz it's October. Ooh. Spooktober has arrived. And you know what? You said these episodes weren't going to be Halloween themed. But I think we'll soon learn nothing's more frightening than securing affordable childcare. <laughs> okay.
1: I'll have to see where I'll have to see where you're going with this one. No, it's unfortunate we are uh, recording here in the month of October 2016 and None of the upcoming Arthur episodes are Halloween-themed. There, there's plenty in the series, but just not at this point in time.
0: I have my own challenge. We'll make our own Arthur Halloween fun. If you or someone you know or you just come across Arthur Halloween costumes, send it to us, whether it's on the Facebook page, the Elwood City Limits Facebook page, or at the email. Will, what's the email? elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. And we'll gladly repost it and give you credit. I want to see all the Arthur outfits. I got to imagine there's going to be a cavalcade this year with all the memes and stuff. They ain't they're not hard. You're right. Uh get yourself I, a yellow sweater, some ears and bam, you're you're in business. You're in Arthur Town, baby. That's right.
1: Good idea and you can even tweet them to us at ECL podcast. Love to see some Arthur Halloween costumes. I've been thinking about one myself, but I don't think it's uh I don't know. I just don't really know if I have the time or the well really the time to try and track down the just right piece of an Arthur costume.
0: Is it the stonewashed jeans? Is that the thing that's tripping you no, up?
1: No, it's, it's the yellow sweater. It's the I feel like sweater. I feel like the jeans are probably the easiest to get away with.
0: Hmm, I guess so. I don't know. I was thinking about it today, actually. How do you glue the ears to your, your head without it getting stuck to your hair or even tape the ears? I'm not sure. Hmm. If you know how to glue ears to your head without getting it stuck to your hair, at limits at gmail.com. Sure.
1: All right, so we've got ourselves another full episode of Arthur. Of course, you can follow along with us. In fact, that's the best way to get the most out of your podcast, is to watch the episodes and then listen to us talk about them. Uh, you can find them on the internet. We trust you. Go go fishing and see what you find. So, we started off today with Arthur Babysits, which is, uh, we're full of debuts this time around. So... <laughs> Uh, Start off the episode, Arthur's taking care of baby Kate and D.W. looking after Kate, mainly. Um, D.W. making faces at Kate.
0: It's weird to me because Arthur is way younger at this point than I was ever allowed to be in the house by myself, let Mm -hmm. alone taking care of another kid. (laughs) Uh, It seems, hey, Arthur is pretty responsible, as we've already seen through Arthur's pet business, kind of. Kind of. But he seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders for taking care specifically of D.W., who seems actually pretty amicable in this episode mm-hmm. in terms of behaving. And I, yeah. I guess it's still weird. He's pretty young to be having full reign of the house, I think.
1: It's true. And uh, he's, a, he's a, very, a very old eight because he's able to bottle feed his baby sister and whatnot and uh, seemingly be trusted with it. Yeah, I took... Uh, I took the babysitting course when I was in junior high. So really That's around when I did too as well. Yeah, something stuff like that. So definitely was not thinking about that when I was 8 years old, but well, you do what you got to do. Arthur telling DW about his past, his past babysitters and that's uh not how kind of they all had their hang-ups. Like <laughs> Mrs. Gutter.
0: <laughs> is is she the golfer one? That's
1: the golfer one.
0: This is crazy. I I am taking Arthur at face value here. Like, I'm assuming he's not exaggerating these stories. So we see flashes of each babysitter. Mrs. Gutter is playing golf. She's using drivers. She's not putting. She's, like, driving golf balls in their home. Mm. This would cause serious damage.
1: Yeah, yeah, no,
0: it's It's like that game that came out on Xbox Live, Dangerous Golf, I think it's called, where it's like you shoot a golf ball at all this fine china. And it all explodes. This is real life dangerous golf.
1: <laughs> it's incredibly irresponsible is what it is. Uh you're right about that. You know, somehow that didn't that didn't click with me the first time, but you're totally right. Then there was Mrs. Schmuggady.
0: <laughs> Someone was a little tired that day on the writing team. They were like, Can we call her Mrs. McGrady? <laughs> no, we already have a character called Mrs. that. Mrs. Schmuggady. M- M- I guess. All right, let's wrap it up. Sure. Let's go let's do lunch. Who Made
1: cookies but was very clumsy. She's a she's a moose. She's another or deer. You know, she's more of a deer because her antlers kinda stick out more.
0: Yeah, she kinda looked reindeer esque and she mm. was mad because the house wasn't designed to her specifications. Right. Uh she couldn't fit her deer antlers in. That'd be like my house. My doors are all really low to the ground, like a hobbit hole. Because <laughs> my family's very short. Okay. Uh but she seemed like of the babysitters Arthur talks about in this scenario, she seemed like the least Totally irresponsible,
1: I guess, but also, I guess she's used to a house that allows for a woman of her carriage. But uh, it it, still you don't want somebody that that that's that easily irritated and (laughs) didn't seem to be handling responsibilities too well. True, then the worst was Mrs. Featherfoffer.
0: Oh, my goodness, we've all had a babysitter like we've all had a Mrs. Featherfoffer at one point in our lives, I assume. Um, she's, like, completely ignoring them. She's watching her stories. I can only assume some sort of Arthurized Coronation Street or... Soap opera. S- yeah, some d- general hospital, something like that. Uh, and she just wants Arthur to go to bed, he says, but it's daytime. Doesn't matter to her. She just yeah. wants to watch her story. She seems terrible.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It's, like, one of those things that is kind of, like, if you played maybe more sinister music under it, like, her telling him to go to bed at, like, Two o'clock in the afternoon is kind of kind of weird. Like it's kind of messed up. Uh,
0: did you have any babysitters or big babysitter memories when you were a kid, Will? I
1: mean, not really. I, I had a, I had a few of them, and uh, I didn't, They were all pretty cool. Like, my, well, I had an older sister, so uh, seven years older than me. So she used to kind of look after me a fair amount. We had like a her friend across the street would do it sometimes. Of course, younger could use the money. Um, and then after that, I'm trying to think of when I would have been allowed to stay home by myself. Probably junior high.
0: Yeah, around um, when I was 13, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't really remember
1: now that, now that you mention it.
0: So I remember my babysitters in linear order. Let's go, okay? Oh. So, Star, this is my first memory. Okay, I was at Star's house, this lady who had this horrible kid, this evil child, uh, and she would babysit me. And mm. I remember she made cinnamon buns, but I didn't like them because they had raisins in them. Oh. Yeah. Oh. But that's oh. not the worst part. So her demon child, I must have been five or six at this point, her demon child cut my hair with these these scissors, and he ruined my hair. How old were so, you? I'm five or six. Wow. And so uh, we stopped going back to stars. And then there was Susie, who I liked because she had an NES, but my sister didn't like because she was very strict. And then when I was a little bit older, there was Nicola, and I liked because she had a Nintendo 64. So you could see the through line here yeah, okay. on my babysitter rankings.
1: That was also um, uh, my sister's friend across the street. She had, uh, that was my first time playing a Sega Genesis.
0: Yeah, my neighbors, they had a, when they babysat me, Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped was the name of the game.
1: For me, it was the original Sonic the Hedgehog
0: and X-Men. Those would, those I don't know appreciate. what the Genesis X Men's like. It's, it's pretty good. You know. Sonic the Hedgehog. It's no Sonic Two. No, it's <laughs> Sonic no. Two. You get to play. You get, you get your idiot kid brother or sister to play as Tails, and they think they're helping, but really, Tails just auto. Hey, hey, I, I'm gonna let you guys in on some pro Sonic Two strats. Tails just kind of follows Sonic. Shh.
1: Uh, also noticed the reed's incredibly small TV when Arthur was a when Arthur was a boy. A little boy.
0: Oh, I didn't notice that.
1: It was like one of those ones you really would have to squint at, like good thing Mrs. Featherfoffer had glasses. <laughs> so Arthur summarizes by saying some people say babysitting's real pain, and I don't know why, because it's the easiest job on
0: earth. Arthur doesn't think highly of uh, people who are stay at home moms or dads, apparently.
1: I wouldn't say that. It's just like really underselling how tough babysitting can be. It's like I took the babysitting course and then never did it because I didn't want to take care of children.
0: Well, I think this might be some foreshadowing of Arthur doesn't quite know what he's getting into. Well, no,
1: but you would think that he does know because he's had some experience with Kate and DW, as we'll see later. Beginning of the episode, Arthur's taking Kate out for a walk in the stroller and DW comes back from school and she's covered head to toe in paint. But i got to say her dress is like kind of tastefully splattered it looks it looks kind of nice there's a it's mainly blue with a bit of yellow and a bit of red it's actually kind of tasteful i mean she's got like paint on her nose and stuff and that's that's no good but
0: you're saying dw's whole look here would pass as wearable art let's say if dw was to go to burning man this would be the getup she'd be rocking
1: she could uh,
0: you could if you, if you if you sold it i don't know if dw's the burning it. man type i don't think she's much of a bohemian maybe buster would wear some wearable hey, hey, armor. You,
1: you brought Burning Man into this, so <laughs> I'm taking your words for this here. Uh, so, of course, um, DW says it was the Tibble twins who did this to her, and we kind of get a little bit of a a snapshot of those old Tibble twins as they go past their house, which is this huge kind of Victorian, almost like a mansion not mansion, but like real relic, like you would almost expect the the city of El the the city of Elwood to uh, give it like... Um,
0: Historical building status? Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I'd go as far as to say it's downright spooky. spooky. Just a time for spooktober. DW says that the Tibble twins, they should put them in cages, yes. which is a great line. <laughs>
1: and I mean, you can tell immediately. It's Of course, so it's Timmy and Tommy Tibble, and you can tell them by their different colored neckerchiefs
0: do you write down which one's timmy and which one's uh tommy
1: timmy is in the blue one tommy is red
0: look at that you don't even have to look down at your notes to remember that I i'm just, impressed i
1: just remember the line of dialogue all these years later uh no it's that's that's how i remember it
0: first thing you hear when they come out of the door uh, uh like a cat like rah, like running out before them maybe to escape the twimbles well, well
1: actually they're spraying out the babysitter. Oh, we're talking about the first time here. That, oh, that's I what see. I, that's see. What I'm a little second, mixed up. That's what happens the second time. They're spraying the babysitter with like a super soaker, and they're both yelling like, "Hey, D.W., I said it louder!" And they just like screaming, and you get you get the sense immediately that these kids are on what was the name of what was the name of Stars' kid?
0: Oh, I don't remember. I just remember he was a demon. Just, but he's they're on the same level. I know the, what you're saying. They're on
1: the same level, and you can immediately tell of just like. Man, raising those kids is a full-time job. God bless Mrs. Tibble. So their was... voice
0: actors, I I can't quite tell. So I might be making a fool of myself here. But are they actual children or are they because... I looked
1: I looked up their voice actors and I believe that their voice their their ages would have been consistent with them being kids.
0: Right, cuz most of the kids in Arthur are voiced by women, which is very common for uh, well, children's voice d- yeah, acting. Yes,
1: but uh, DW Voiced by a boy.
0: Uh, I also picked up right away that the Tibbles sound realistically just like children, mm. like they got kids in the booth, which is was refreshing because until you get shows like Adventure Time much later on, that wasn't that common in the 90s.
1: It sounds a lot more authentic. S- they kind of split, but before that, of course, they chase away the babysitter, Mrs. Tibble, who is consistently on an even keel. So hats off to her. Is uh, looking for a new babysitter, and Arthur, or D.W. volunteers Arthur to do it. Which you know he could have just said no. Yet another episode
0: where someone talking up Arthur directly negatively impacts him.
1: Yeah, but this is in a a sense of just like she's talking him up as a babysitter, and he could have just been like, "Oh, sorry, no, I'm busy."
0: He actually seems kind of game, though. Yeah, weirdly,
1: and there's no even there's not even really
0: talk of payment. Yeah, and that comes. We'll get to that later later on in the episode. But I have things to say. Let's just say. From what we know so far, Arthur's terrible with Buddy.
1: He's not good at the he's not good at the closing part, so he's gonna go uh, look after them this afternoon, babysit them. So he uh, meets his friends at the sugar bowl. Says he can't uh, play baseball, I think it was, or kickball maybe. Uh, He's got to babysit the Tibble twins. Conversation stops dead, and Prunella says, "You don't mean the terrible Tibble twins?" And I'm like, "Are there?" Two sets of Tibble twins here. Do we need to distinguish? She's been, she knows that the Tibble twins, because her sister babysat them once, and she still has nightmares about it. Cut to like a really freaky shot of Prunella's sister awakened screaming, and we get an extreme close up on her face, and her eyes have no pupils, but there's just (laughs) laughing Tibble faces coming out of them, and it's really freaky like it kind of gave me pause there for a second
0: just in time for spooktober okay the lovecraftian oh horror has returned okay this to Arthur. Oh,
1: i don't know about lovecraftian here like, she's I'll, been
0: driven insane she's shell-shocked she has post-traumatic stress from the yes, Tibbletwins From for but not, babysitting them for one hour
1: but not from just seeing them like, that's, that's, that's true that's I, true i'll I, give you that i think we're pushing i think we're pushing lovecraftian a little bit uh, is all is all i'm saying
0: I don't disagree. (laughs) So
1: Francine says not to worry. It'll be no different than babysitting DW and Kate. Cut to a montage of Arthur babysitting DW and Kate, who are their own set of problems. And mostly DW, because the the most that Kate really gets into is that she cries because she's a baby. But then DW makes it no better by crying just as loud
0: that's right Kate's crying and DW repeats over and over again I'm hungry too yeah which is actually pretty funny when you think about it and also uh, we get another shot of DW jumping on the couch counting up imaginary numbers
1: forty, eleven, forty, twelve, forty, thirteen.
0: I wonder what happens when she gets to 50-11 or 12
1: I guess we'll never know just think of the Tibbles as a little worse than your sisters and then Arthur just says I gotta go <laughs> Uh,
0: <laughs> now it's starting to set in. So
1: his friends see him off, and then Prunella just says as he leaves, "We may never see him again."
0: <laughs> was... It's a really good line. Yeah, it's
1: good. So Arthur shows up. This is when they chase the cat out, right? And uh, or the cat the cat is chased out, and Arthur kind of takes a look at the surroundings as the Tibble twins are just r- running around and screaming as is their wa- as is they are wont to do, and then Arthur's imagination kind of gets away from him once again because he imagines the kind of destruction that these two can cause with everything in their house kind of toppling over
0: Well so earlier you mentioned how it's kind of a Victorian really old house mm-hmm. uh, and once we see the inside again fitting with the haunted mansion <laughs> aesthetic of this episode uh, they it's it's got some really weird antiques like mm-hmm. there's a full suit of medieval armor with like a with like an upright axe. And, like, a grandfather clock. The grandfather clock I get, especially for the old-timey house. Sure. But who's got a medieval suit of armor?
1: Must have just inherited it.
0: Is Grandma Tibble, like, a collector? Could be. It reminded me of, like, that part from Uncharted 4 where... <laughs> oh, oh, spoiler, spoiler. I haven't,
1: haven't played it yet. Yeah. S- you still You'll need. know
0: what I mean. Um,
1: you still need to loan me that.
0: So, Victor- uh, the Tibbles... Yes. They truly are the embodiment of chaotic neutral. I don't think they're necessarily evil, but the Tibbles are... Just chaos incarnate. Yeah, when they see something, they want to destroy.
1: I, I don't know if it's so much that they want to destroy. It's, I, I mean, I think, granted, I know that this is the, the, the idea of the podcast, but you may be looking into it a little bit too much. I think it's, it's really, really all it is is just that they're just especially rowdy young boys, and it's they're not even like, they're not even like fueled by. Destruction or anything, they just want to do the. Fir- they want to do the first thing that they think of, and it's usually a bad thing. They have no respect of like boundaries or like. There's no- nothing sacred to them.
0: You you know what? You have a point, but that's why they're chaotic, neutral, and not chaotic evil.
1: No, I, that that I'm not disagreeing on you with. Yeah. It's just kind of the you know I, again we kind of need to dial it down from like mass- lords of chaos to <laughs> you know just you, l- I, it's spooktober i got it on the brain we d- <sighs> all right i'm not i'm not with this spooktober thing this is <laughs> this is not my idea so mrs tibble leaves arthur with it and as it cuts to her outside she closes the door and she just goes oh. and i'm just like yep yeah, take a lap sister like you are you are into li- like she's only away for an hour she says so she she kind of earned that a little bit. And, I mean, I would be worried to leave them alone, but, like, she's also going to be like, Whew. And so for most of his time there, Arthur kind of takes a hard-line approach to uh, trying to keep them in order of just uh, – which is kind of how his friends advised him to do. It's just that, uh, you know, I'm the babysitter and what I say goes and just ordering them to do stuff, which is just patently not working. So we're obviously dealing with um, – or I shouldn't say obviously dealing with, but it seems that we're dealing with a form of... Well, let's just say an anti-authority streak in the Tibbles. Anarchy. Mm, no. no. Okay. It's, it's a, you're, playing a, you're playing a bit fast and loose with these big concepts here, Lucas. But
0: I'll say this much. So we get a clip of basically Arthur's grown-up put-on voice. He says I'm the babysitter, uh, and it's a little bit more of vocal theatrics from Arthur's voice actor. We've said before how hard it is to do voice acting as an adult of a kid pretending to be an adult Mm. but this is something kind of different it's arthur trying to sound authoritative in a way he doesn't usually
1: yeah it's more it's more of him kind of yelling because of course he doesn't have a like any depth to his voice so he needs to kind of really project it so he's really yelling a lot more um to no avail no certainly not they are they are running they're running amok uh D.W. calls to check on him, and uh, she does... It's, you kind of mentioned that they're a bit more amicable in this episode. They seem to be have a much more peaceful relationship, like D.W. calling to check up on him to see how he's doing, like genuinely concerned about his well-being.
0: Yeah, on one hand, like, D.W. in this episode is very sweet. It seems like she generally cares about what's going on with Arthur because she knows the beast that is the Tibbles. But I also think that the writers are kind of using her as, like, not an exposition machine but a plot device mm. like dw sort of checks in three times this episode or she attempts to three times this episode and they're kind of the three points in the story uh like this is her assessing the initial situation of arthur with the tibbles anyway it'll continue as we get go. yeah along.
1: You, yeah you're right she's kind of helping him move forward with like different motivations um so of course the Tibble Twins are just doing whatever you please. Like I must say, pretty creative in their mischief. Like there's a lot of different things that they get up to, and it's just like like drawing on the wall, uh, roping the like roping down the suit of armor so that Arthur has to replace it, uh, wheeling around like a wheelchair, like a chair on wheels, and just kind of playing train. And then, and then Arthur catches them just eating raw sugar out of the. Out of the thing.
0: Which I have to admit, I did before when I was a kid. Oh, yeah? I'm surprised I don't have pre-diabetes or something because I used to do it all the time when I got home from school. There was no snacks in my house. My parents never had any snacks. So it kind of Ooh. backfired on them. Bad move. Because instead of just getting, I don't know, a mini bag of Doritos like I would if they had bought snacks – open up a bowl of sugar, put a spoon in it, and just go to town. That never really tasted good to me, though. Oh, listen, as an adult, I think that is disgusting and deplorable. Yeah. Uh, But, hey, I did it. This is my admittance of guilt. They also play 52 Pickup. Yes. Which I had never heard of this game until this Arthur episode.
1: It's not much of a game, I'll grant you
0: no it's uh it's horrible and you know what this is one of those cases where i got myself in trouble by repeating things uh i saw on tv when i was a kid i would grab a pike of cards and my parents would probably want to play something like go fish or an actual game And because i saw it on tv i thought it'd be funny to yell 52 pickup and throw the cards they weren't happy about it no matter who i tried this no, party trick with
1: no, no because 52 pickup is so boring and awful <laughs> I can imagine them being upset with you. It's
0: fun for maybe, like, half a second when you're throwing the cards.
1: Mm-hmm. No, yeah. no, And the only... Yeah, really. It's like a split second, and then it's like an afternoon of torture trying to find them all. Just a couple of quick notes here about the Tibbles. Um, I looked it up, and I was surprised to find that... So the Tibbles were in the book series, so, like, the illustrated books that Arthur kind of sp- spawned from. But in the t- in the books... They're human. Wait, what? Yeah, like you can, go- like Google Google image search just the, like the tib- Tibbles in Arthur books. They're he- like they're humans. Everybody else is. Is a- Grandma
0: Tibble a human in the
1: books? I didn't see her. Like I didn't. See, I only saw Google images and like they're just like little boys in like cowboy outfits. Because of course that's kind of what they have is sort of like because they have the neckerchiefs and stuff like that. But. Yeah, it's just like no little human boys, and it's the weirdest thing ever.
0: I wonder the Tibbles don't really look much like their grandma. No, they're colored a completely different color. I'm not even sure if they're the same animal. So I was thinking to myself, like, are the Tibbles adopted, or or maybe is their grandma from the side of the family they don't take after?
1: It's really hard to say. But if
0: they were humans in the books, that plays into the adoption theory. Maybe that's what. The author was going for, the I don't I don't know. That's really strange.
1: Well, the even well, they're certainly not the same breed of animal, if they're mm-hmm. anything. So, I don't know. Like I, maybe they get into it in like a way later episode. I can see them like after having run out of ideas in like season I don't know thirteen or something probably. were like let's talk a little bit about the Tibble twins.
0: Hey, I, a, it'd be a good opportunity to uh, talk about an adult subject: adoption. Something sure. that kids could need some help understanding. What animal are the Tibbles? Do you know?
1: I don't for sure, but if I had to guess, probably little bear cubs would be my guess, mm-hmm. I think. They really do look like the kind of... The rounded ears kind of... Yeah. And their grandmother seems to be like a, a, a dog, like huh. maybe a beagle.
0: Yeah, I see that. The Specifically with the snout shape. Yeah,
1: yeah. Big shout out to their first voice actors, uh, Jonathan... Coneskin, or, you know, Caneskin, uh, pardon me on the pronunciation, plays Tommy, and Ricky Mabe plays Timmy, and I think that they're both great. like, we kind of know that you asked if they were actually kids, and I believe they are, and it's like really good kid actors. They seem to be having a lot of fun playing these kind of mischief makers.
0: You can really hear the enthusiasm in the voice and the performance, and they always kind of stay at that 11 level Mm -hmm. until... The story demands they not be that way, which Mm -hmm. is actually interesting. Also, one more thing about the Tibbles' Victorian mansion. Sure. Now, after the last episode, me realizing that all the Arthur backgrounds are hand-drawn, that is really apparent in this episode. The art in the background of the inside of the Tibbles' house is actually really nice to look at in terms Mm -hmm. of, like, hand-painted uh, the colors used and stuff, it's not just like a boring-looking brown house. There's a lot of blues and greens mm. uh, in the composition, and it's just uh, in really well-done set piece.
2: Okay.
1: I I kind of wish that I had I looked uh, closer, to be honest with you. That's that's good-looking out. The whole time the Tibbles are dead set on playing hide-and-seek, and Arthur's trying to get them to play his way, um, and then they eventually rope them up when they're playing cowboy, and they get him to pl- play hide-and-seek where they go hide. And Arthur's kind of looking for them, and then he notices a window open, and then he, his mind immediately, his imagination, uh, jumps to the worst possible conclusion that they have left the house and that they are tearing loose downtown and are committing mass mayhem. Arthur says,
0: I'll be in trouble, and so will the town. Yeah. Uh, we see this imaginary scenario. The Tibbles go full Jumanji, letting all the animals <laughs> loose in this zoo. I,
1: I just simply chalked it up to cartoon supervillainy by unleashing <laughs> the animals, that it, including the dangerous ones like the lion and the bear. We get this
0: great like it's
1: it's like it's like the halfway point of twelve monkeys in this.
0: Totally, I totally thought of twelve monkeys with all the animals like running across the yeah, bridge, yeah. or the end of uh, 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 what's that? Speaking of Naughty Dog games, uh, that other one. Oh, uh, The Last of Us. Yeah, where they see the giraffe again. Though this incurs the animal hierarchy of the Arthur universe. Hey, if you were playing the drinking game, take a drink <laughs> because once again we question what do these animals do to not deserve sentience.
1: Oh man, I am going to do that at some point. Maybe after maybe after the first season when we bank a few episodes, I will definitely like create the Arthur drinking game, but that is that's got to be the the very first one on the list is bringing up the animal hierarchy in Arthur.
0: Another notable thing from this dream mm. scenario is this realistic scream from this nameless glasses-wearing bunny. Yeah. He's running away from the lion and it, it's it's not like one of the stock screams that Arthur goes to. Yeah, so it's not many one times. of the ones we're used to. It's like an adult going, "Ah!" Like it's pretty terrifying. Mm-hmm.
1: Ah! Yeah.
0: I, I, and hey, lions are dangerous. This is—I'd is...
1: I'd be scared to be in the vicinity of that line for sure. Um. So, Arthur answers the phone, and it's DW again, and then he kind of—this sees— this is actually
0: the third time. Arthur gets a call from DW, except the second time, the Tibbles had just picked up. Yes. Uh, almost taken style, saying, Arthur can't come to the phone. He's all tied up right now. They literally tied him down. <laughs> uh, but this time, DW actually gets through to Arthur.
1: Yeah. And so he kind of finally sees them hiding behind a curtain. And Arthur, a quick thinker, uh, decides to get them in the palm of his hand. and uh, A
0: little bit of reverse psychology yeah. almost.
1: And... Okay, so I'll grant you your Spooktober with this one. Yes. Arthur creates a legend of the swamp thing from just his own imagination and says that uh he he rises from the swamp every day around this time looking for something to eat. He's saying it loud in like in a dramatic stage whisper so that <laughs> uh the tibbles can definitely hear him but they think he's talking on the phone.
0: Some more great voice work by the way. Sure.
1: Yeah, you there's a certain way you have to talk um so the Tibbles get scared and cling onto Arthur, and then the uh,
0: teeth start chattering. Yeah,
1: they're no, they're really scared, and uh, so Arthur tells them what they can do about the swamp thing. Tells them more about it, just really freaking them out even more because he realizes he can use fear to control them. Um, <laughs> fe- fear to control the chaos, and kind of like, kind of like The Dark Knight Rises a little bit. I was thinking more Chairman Mao. Okay, we we went in two different directions. Or Dark Knight Rises, the Dark Knight, excuse me. <laughs> just basically saying the Swamp Thing is this horrible creature that likes to eat twin boys, which is kind of the only thing you can, something you can get away with when they're four years old. Oddly specific, yeah. yeah. But twins are always hard to find, so he's always very hungry, <laughs> and that makes him mad, mean mad. <laughs> and so he's just really hamming it up. Eventually, they get so scared the door opens, and they run away screaming, and it's their grandmother.
0: Well, it's also because he describes like the swamp thing as like, dripping and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's like stinky swamp water.
0: And, well, there's drips outside the door, but it turns out it's Grandma Tibble, and she's with, got some— With
1: melting ice cream. With
0: melting ice cream, which, man, that ice cream must have not been in the freezer that long, because it's already—that or that or it's a really hot not day. day, yeah. Because it's melting right through the package.
1: Of course, Arthur offers to clean up— from their destruction and then they offer to help him and to which mrs tibble says she might faint so you wanted to talk about payment because she she says you're the first person babysitter i've had that hasn't like gone running from the house uh and gives him it was like one bill right
0: it's one bill and i paused it and i tried to zoom in as close as i can
1: (laughs) csi over here
0: it, it was kind of like a stylized number, so I can't tell for sure. At first, I thought it was a two, but of course, there's no such thing as a $2 bill in America. I don't right. know about authorized America, but I can only assume it was a $1 bill. Grandma Tibble was so overjoyed with finally having a consistent babysitter that could stand her grandsons that she pays him a single dollar, 60 cents.
1: A hundred cents.
0: A hundred cents. Six to 60 minutes goes into it. As we've established with the Elwood City lore, <laughs> I am not good at math. Take a drink. Lucas doesn't know math. But at least I'm a little bit better at finance than Arthur, I sure. think. I would you, demand far more than a single dollar. You would think so. Well below uh, minimum wage. Then
1: again, I think, the, I think the shape of two can kind of go into a five. Not that that makes it better because like- Hey, that's a little bit better. Five dollars for taking care of the table. Either way, it's a single bill. And unless you're giving him a 20, like... <laughs> I think a 10's fine. Mm. For, for an
0: hour of work, that's almost okay. minimum. If, yeah. it was,
1: if it was a couple of hours, then we're talking 20. Yeah. 10 for an hour with the Tibbles. Okay, sure. He's eight. Whatever. He doesn't care. one one
0: fifth of an action figure. That's true. What, five? Well, no, one. One. Yeah.
1: It's a 15th. Oh, jeez. Take another drink. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, the second part of the Arthur uh, Elwood City drinking game, Lucas gets some math wrong. Yes.
1: She says, you're the first person who hasn't gone running from the house, like run screaming from the house like they were running from a monster. And Arthur says, that's because I have the monsters on my side, Mrs. Tibble. <laughs> cool guys, don't look at explosions out of there.
0: Yeah, it's very much, uh, you said you were going to kill me last, I lied.
2: <laughs>
3: it, Come on, Cohagen. He's dead tired. <laughs> Please don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. <laughs> you do. It.
0: We give you the girl. You do what we want, right?
3: Wrong. Knock, knock.
0: <laughs> S- uh. Stick around. <laughs> Let off some steam. Okay, we got it. We could go all night. Let's keep going.
3: Let's kick some ice. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Oh man
1: uh, <laughs> Oh I'm sorry. So Arthur is whistling a jaunty tune back home. DW is trying to get him to say that it was terrible, but uh, no, he admits that he had a good like he had such a good time that he's going to do it every day this week to which I'm like, all right, hold on. I was there, Arthur. You and I both know that was not a good time. Like why do you feel the need to subject it? Don't you have anything better
0: to do than babysit? Uh, we actually know for certain he does, because earlier in this episode, right. he cancels his plans. It turns out Arthur's really trying to pay this debt he has to DW uh, that we established oh, a the couple tw- episodes ago. Oh,
1: twelve million dollars.
0: About. Yeah, the twelve. Well, not only the t- so we have the oh the, the ten dollars now twelve million. So twelve million and ten. So Arthur really needs any money he could get.
1: Man. Arthur's in
0: debt. Ample motivation. Uh, Arthur is talking about how he's gonna go back to the Tibbles every day this week and he says DW could come along with him. And so DW, that they
1: have someone their own age to play with.
0: DW says to Arthur's mom, Mommy, will you take my temp pure racher? I feel my really te- skew sp-
1: temperature, I know. Temp
0: pure rature, yeah.
1: So. Yeah, that's and that's the end of the episode. Couldn't find a word from us kids this time around. Me neither. So we're going right into the second one, Arthur's Cousin Catastrophe. So we start off with Arthur's Cousin Catastrophe. The Reeds are preparing for something big around the house. They're prepping for a big day, and Arthur's kind of alluding to what it isn't. So they're kind of like cleaning up. They're getting stuff ready, uh, putting up decorations. You know, it's it's not a holiday. It's not a birthday. Arthur, at one point, is tasked to clean out the freezer, I guess. So he puts on goggles. He puts on rubber gloves. He gets two um, tongs. two tong- two sets of tongs in his hand and opens the freezer and then is immediately met with a an avalanche of frozen goods and just snow.
0: It reminded me of another PBS Kids show, uh, Zabumafu, when the Kraft brothers would go to the closet. There was a running joke on Zabumafu. That uh, like they'd have to go get something from the closet. Yeah. Oh, and, and oh, the, the, the stuff and the closet water. would always like completely dump out on top of totally. them.
1: Totally. I don't know how they. I don't know how they keep it in order like that. Like they have to like <laughs> cram it closed every time.
0: Well, the running That's joke the was thing. this would happen every time, and it was kind of funny uh, ahead of its time for like kids because as a kid you would anticipate, oh, they're going to the closet again, which made it really crazy when every once in a while it would mess with your expectations, and they'd open the closet and nothing would happen. Ah.
1: I don't think I ever saw those episodes, but I did like Zabumafu a lot. I always liked to see what kind of food yes! they would feed him. Yes, what
0: food were they going to feed him? Because they had
1: that machine, and then they would just be like, what's the food going to be today? Oh, it's a banana. And it's like, here's here's banana Zabumafu, and that's how they make him talk. And then he...
0: Yeah, turn claymation.
1: No, uh, well, yes. uh, Like, they would have a puppet for the live action and then claymation. I love the claymation parts. They were great.
0: Yeah, there was that drill guy. They
1: were like my favorite parts of the episode.
0: Maybe one of these days we'll do a -a BoomaFoo podcast. Until then, let's hear about these They would all
1: be the same, though. That's That's the problem. That's true.
0: Hey, in this one, this one, the Crap brothers come to their closet and check this out. It it fell on them. (laughs) Some Lovecraftian horror came out of the closet. And <laughs> Cthulhu fell on the Kraft brothers, and we
1: couldn't and we and we couldn't do math. Krat, Krat brothers.
0: Right. They Wait, were... really? Yeah,
1: K R A T T. Oh my goodness!
0: <laughs> oh no! I've thought this for my entire life. They were the Kraft. This is brothers. your this is your
1: equi aqua of the episode of
0: mac and cheese fame. Oh drink geez. for
1: Drink for every time the boys have a revelation. Oh
0: man! <laughs> and what was the name of the? Oh,
1: uh, Krat's creatures was their show before. What?
0: They had a spin-off?
1: No, this was before Zabumafu.
0: What? Oh, we gotta move on, or else I'm not gonna be able to function anymore. One
1: one day if we set up a Patreon, that will be that could be one of our reward tiers is <laughs> we will review an episode of Zabumafu and Kratz Creatures.
0: Kratz Creatures. What?
1: Yeah. That's what got that's what got them Zaboomafu, which was definitely a lot more popular. Anyway, Arthur's Cousin Catastrophe. So back to this freezer. What was our okay? Number one, what was Arthur trying to do? What did he need the two tongs for? Was he getting ice or like was he going to scale the freezer itself?
0: Well, uh, judging from my own personal experience, when I have to clean a fridge, it's usually pretty disgusting. There's always like some mayonnaise that's like eight years old out back. Like fridges get in a place of disarray if you're not on. We're, ta- it. We're
1: talking freezers here, so not a lot's going bad. You'll get freezer burn though
0: it could be like some bananas that have been in there since the dawn of time. I assume that's what the tongs were for. They were to remove like gross waste. Some people keep their compost in the freezer. That's true. I
1: do. Yeah. Add, uh, add, add, add your recommendation. But
0: it begs the question if this is what happens when Arthur tries to go in the freezer to clean it like how did they get anything out of well, the Well that's what I was going to say.
1: How did you get the freezer to be this bad? <laughs> like how did you let this happen? Especially when there's a it, chef
0: in the house. Well yeah.
1: It's like the freezer doesn't make snow. <laughs> Like, you have to have it turned up to such a degree that, like, nothing, like, everything is freezer burning within days. Like, come on, people. Get it together. So, it turns out they are doing all of this hoopla. Hoopla! 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 For, um, the Reed family reunion. Have you ever been
0: to a – did you guys ever have a Mancini family reunion? So I have a pretty big extended family, okay. both on my mom's side and my dad's side. We've never really had an official family reunion Uh, But the closest thing was, like, my nonna's 90th birthday. We flew all the Mancini's out, the ones from Italy, the ones from Hamilton, Ontario. They all gathered for nonna's 90th birthday. So, really, it was the closest thing to a Reed family reunion. But, like, my extended family, I have a lot of family in Nova Scotia, and we get together for a lot of events, whether it be holidays, Thanksgiving's coming up. I'm going to see most of them then. Uh, and if you haven't already guessed it, that's what this episode's about, a family reunion. We get to meet the extended Reed family. Mm-hmm. And I i really thought it's a realistic portrayal of that because when my family gets together, it's a similar cast of characters, uh, all different from one another. And it becomes quite the debacle. Always a good way, though. Family in the end. You can always depend on them. How about yourself, Will? Have you ever had a family reunion?
1: Well, no, not for my own family. And really, like, the closest thing that we would get is if there's, like, a funeral or something. No. Because, well, a lot of my family on both sides uh, are situated in Cape Breton. So we kind of are in – and, I mean, granted, there will be times when we saw – or, or more positively, like, when my sister got married a couple of years ago. So, like, a bunch of our extended family came then as well. Uh, but I did actually go to an official, actual family reunion uh, with my girlfriend um, this summer. I we went to her family's family reunion in Cape Breton, which they like rented out a Lions Hall for. Wow! And, like actually, like yeah, her fa- family is huge. Like her her dad came was like one of like in the late teens of like one of sixteen or seventeen kids, and then family sprouting out from there. So they really needed more of this, like, the space to for a reunion reunion. So I kind of got an idea of what that was like. And even then, it's kind of like the meeting itself is more of just kind of a general one because they're mostly the family members that know each other best will s- kind of stick to each other, I find.
0: Yeah, I found that too at my Nona's birthday party, like – you could tell immediately what the factions were. Like, oh, there's the Hamilton Mancini. There's,
1: the, there's the Mancini black and white. There's the Mancini <laughs> wolf pack.
0: Exactly. Mancini Hollywood. The Mancini LWO. Yeah. Uh, along with the uh, Mancini wolf pack elite. Yeah. Um, I wonder what part I'm a part of. I'd I'm, like to think I'm part of the Mancini the, outsiders, the, the OG crew. But Man- of course I would say The that.
1: Mancini club.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: Yeah, you're right. We do get to see Arthur's extended family, and, we, and a lot of them are kind of more or less one-off characters. Like, we don't really get to see them again, and it's funny because they all have, like, new models. It's not, like, repurposed extras or something. It's like they all have these new models that really they're only used for this one episode, so it's... I, I don't want. I don't know whether or not to call it a waste because maybe they were used in the backgrounds after this, but just like never really, never really came to much. But they're. I mean, they're definitely colorful in and of themselves. Like,
0: well, I gotta praise the animators here because I imme- first frame we see Arthur's extended family. First frame, I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard because Did- they. Perfectly embody the stereotypical uncle and aunt and cousin, like immediately. Yeah, it's,
1: yeah, it's like a uh, uh, like I don't know if they're ever really given name. They're not really given names, but it's like his aunt and uncle. And I d- was not sure what side they were on, but um, yeah, it's like the the kind of more rotund uncle who's who's much hairier, and he's kind of like <laughs> he's, he's got, balding, balding. He's got the camera going on, and the much slender, taller. Uh, wife it was a bit of a bit of a, a busybody.
0: I think the wife had. I think the. Oh, it's, see, this is. I tried to figure this out too. I'm not sure. I don't think the wife is directly related to Arthur's mom by okay. marriage because we kind of get a peek in their relationship and flashes in this episode, and it doesn't come off as me as to.
1: Oh, her. Uh, I remember now. Her,
0: her name is Loretta. Loretta, and I don't know the uncle's name, but God, I don't know if they ever said. it. Do him. I love? This guy. Yeah? I love Arthur's uncle so much. So immediately he steals the scene. He's got his mustache and his cartoonishly large. He
1: looks like Captain Lou Albano playing Mario.
0: And he sounds like him too.
1: Like he just needs the rubber bands in his face and he's Captain Lou.
0: He goes, he says, he goes, don't just stand there like the Mr. Piano Man invite us in, huh? Which doesn't make any sense. What is he talking
1: about? Well, ho- well hold on. It's because Arthur plays piano. He knows Arthur plays oh, piano.
0: Oh, I thought he was making like a Billy Joel reference because <laughs> he seems like the type of uncle that would just throw out some random Billy hey, Joel he reference.
3: Hey, sing me a song, Artie. You're the Piano Man. Hey, the
0: Piano Man. Hey, play it played again, Sal, like a Casablanca. You ever <laughs> seen old movies? They used to make movies better when I was a kid, you friggin' idiot. <laughs> I love this guy. You oh, can, my you, God. I love Arthur's you uncle. Can, I want a spit-off show, you can, Fraser style all about Arthur's uncle. When I was
3: your age, I went to the multiplex. and saw Taxi Driver for two bits. and right. I got, And I got a ham dinner with it. You could see six movies for a nickel. You just had to walk to this theater uphill in a snowstorm both ways. Then you'd have to stay overnight in the multiplex and then make you clean out the deep fryer so that you could pay your way. Or Or else he'd ship you home on a cab and then your father would get mad at you. Be doing a switch. This is he, th-
0: he goes. <laughs> Arthur tries to give them like a schedule because there's a lavish day of activities planned. Right, right,
1: right. And and I should and I should mention before you go on that he meant these. Of course, he's bedecked with the camera, which is the supernova flash, and that's kind of his mainly, more more or less his character. We're really attributing more character than he was given the show, which is fine. But his is kind of like the annoying uncle who likes to videotape everything.
0: So Arthur tries to hand out this schedule, and he goes,
1: "Yes, fun is
0: my middle name." I don't need a list to have it yeah he just he took...
1: <laughs>
0: I love this guy
1: he take he takes it from him and then swiftly just throws it behind him <laughs> it's just like
0: it's actually kind of rude <laughs> but that's this guy's personality he likes what he likes he's also got his 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 uh son Ricky which we get flashes yeah. of Ricky's got this he he kind of seems like the kind of stereotypical cool uncle he's got a backwards baseball cap. And some loose fitting yeah, pants. Yeah, he
1: looks he kinda looks like a jerk. Like a real hey. nine real nineties Bart Simpson type.
0: Hey, his dad thinks pretty fondly of him. He gets every chance he gets, he talks about his son Ricky. That's my boy. He's my firstborn, he's
3: my only son. <laughs> I can't have any more.
0: He's gonna inherit the photography business. <laughs> Ricky, I'm gonna buy you a photographer like your father.
3: <laughs> I married into the Kodak fortune.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ooh, I'm a little out of breath. <laughs> Take a sip of water.
1: Here. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to get back to this guy. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't pay him as much mind as you did, but man, I'm glad that he worked for you with their family. So it's like he's got his cousin Ricky, he's got his other younger girl cousin who they never name, and then the elusive and mysterious cousin Mo, who Arthur immediately has anxiety flashbacks about how she used to treat him at previous family reunions. And kind of going back into Arthur's memory when he was like first very little. i got to say in the, kind of the, these two episodes, we see flashbacks of little Arthur. He was probably about DW's age before he needed glasses. He was real cute. Like, I
0: wrote that down too. Cute little glassesless Arthur in his beige shirt. Like
1: he's a, yeah, he's just a, he's he's just a little cutie. He's and they got a little overalls on him. He's just like <laughs> it's cute. Mo, Mo kind of seems like a little st- a little stinker. Uh, kind of maybe maybe five or six years old. Well, if Arthur's four, then she's probably closer to his age than like maybe seven or eight. Uh, and she kind of takes him, like spins him around on like the kind of carousel kind of thing. There's a great montage between like there's three ensuing incidents that have given Arthur this anxiety. And between each one, there's like a calendar montage. And there's this like this weird music as the months quickly flip over and over, and it's like,
2: woo, 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 woo,
0: woo, woo, woo. yeah,
1: like this I, really creepy montage to go to 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 the next ensuing incident, which each one is worse than the last.
0: Dare I say, spooky? The art, writers never. Lucas,
1: Lucas looked from left to right before he said that.
0: He, <laughs> I guess, as yeah, if, we as if they the were camera. going to take him away. <laughs> um the Arthur the writers never waste an opportunity to do something creative either with a dream sequence or a flashback that's something I'm finding now as an adult more than ever when we watch this show is that the flashbacks are all really cool and super original and same with the dream sequences so instead of just having like I don't know instead of just displaying these scenes for us they use this this transition, this close-up on this calendar, to kind of give the whole thing this ominous tone—it's just super creative.
1: Then the second one is Mo practicing her kind of karate judoka skills.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wrote down she's a yellow belt in, in judo, which yeah. good for
1: her. Yeah, at a young age. Uh, and then, the th- and then the third one, which I thought was kind of interesting, was well, and actually kind of terrifying, was that she dressed him up as a baby like in a full bonnet, pacifier and everything, and stuffed him into a stroller. And this is when Arthur was probably seven or eight, so that would have made her like 12 or something.
0: This is important to note that of all the flashbacks were shown, this is the one where he's the oldest. (laughs) Yes, he he has his glasses at this point. This is terrifying.
1: Like, this is something that scars a kid for life, is that he he is laughed at while he's in baby gear in front of his entire family. Like, that's the kind of thing that warps a brain.
0: That's true. And
1: I thought maybe... Maybe we're seeing the genesis of the baby slur.
0: (gasps) I didn't even put two and two together. Take
1: a drink. We're mentioning the baby slur. But maybe this is why Arthur is so sensitive to being called a baby.
0: You know what? Whether intended or not, that makes perfect narrative sense. Mm -hmm. What have we said every episode? The one thing Arthur fears the most is being called a baby by his peers. Mm -hmm. And it's because of this. And who wouldn't? If this happened to me, I don't think I'd be able to look at a diaper box the same way ever again.
1: No way. And y you're right, it makes it makes perfect sense. Arthur catches a glimpse of Mo and then immediately runs away and that becomes kind of the through line for the episode. I must say, like for a reunion, we're talking about like for the Mancini reunion, like tons of people, for my girlfriend's reunion, tons of people. This is kind of a conservative turnout for a reunion. It seems to be like a couple of uncles, a couple of aunts, grandma Thora Grandma Thor's mother,
0: and then that's kind of it. Which props to Grandma Thora's mother having a great grandmother. I, I never got the chance to meet a great grandmother on my in my family. So no, me neither. It seems like you'd have to have someone along the line would have to have someone fairly young for that to be possible. Yeah, for sure.
1: So they're just kind of chit chatting. Arthur's dad is, like you said, kind of really trying to make this the best reunion ever. So he's trying to keep a schedule. He's trying to like he's trying to spin a lot of plates
0: at once. And he's trying to put these hot dogs together and some comedy ensues because he has all the materials for the hot dogs. For burgers
1: and hot dogs, yeah. Except
0: for the burgers and hot dogs. Mm-hmm. He's got the buns, he's got the fuel, he's got the sauce. But he forgot the burgers and hot dogs. So, Arthur's mom has them, though. So
1: Arthur's problem that he's inventing in his head here, as we'll see, and, and not unfounded, I must say, like the, he has plenty of precedence to this, is that he needs to avoid Moe at all costs. So his mission is to get inside the house hide in his room until she leaves which i have problems with but we'll we'll get we'll get to it not, not in this in the sense that he wants to go and hide like that's fine i totally get that
0: he starts out like mgs5 style marking <laughs> all of his targets in the tree like he's got his bionic buddy goggles
1: yeah and they and they uh and they are able to sense danger
0: which is very bizarre like the goggles immediately like start flashing danger at cousin mo which I'm to assume that he probably ordered these from like a comic book or something, and they probably just say that like all the time. Yeah,
1: that's probably like a button you can press. <laughs>
0: um, but then we get a little great little jump scare where he's looking at Mo, and then he turns slightly stage right, and there's DW's mug right in his face. Yeah, right, with,
1: we, right where the eye holes are. And
0: we get the classic Arthur scream that they use so Whoa. often. <laughs> That's right, and he does he fall from the tree?
1: He kind of well, he kind of like catches his legs, or he like is holding himself up by his arms, and it's not too far. So yeah, that's that's kind of Arthur's through line for the episode. Yeah, we uh, get a
0: B plot and an A plot this episode. The A plot's Arthur trying to avoid cousin Mo, and then actually the majority of this episode is just family hijinks.
1: Yeah, I I, I wrote down here. I, I can't remember if it was apropos of anything, but I kind of said this before. Cousin Ricky kind of looks like a jerk. Like he's Kind of like a problem waiting to happen.
0: Well, this is because Ricky's doing something athletic. I think he's like throwing a ball or a frisbee or something. Oh, and he's he's
3: playing basketball.
0: The, yeah, and the uncle's going, hey, that's Ricky, my boy. Look at my boy go. He's such an athlete.
3: Three-pointer there, LeBron James yes, Jr. <laughs> Steph Curry, who? Meet my boy Ricky. Meet me on the court. Kevin Durant, you got the real tarantula on your hands <laughs> What's bigger than a tarantula? A tarantosaurus. Yes.
0: Black Mamba, more like Black Aardvark. He's coming for you. <laughs> going to get drafted next year. He's going to go. He's gonna get a good college scholarship. It's scholarship. My, hey, hey, this guy, that's my retirement plan right there. My boy Ricky.
3: We're going to get fat on that sweet NBA draft money.
0: <laughs> so as much as I love Arthur's uncle, yeah. I despise his wife. This lanky uh, uh, aunt character. I didn't think there was a whole... She didn't really ho- see a whole lot to be despised. So she she goes to help Arthur... Help, in quotations, Arthur's mom with these burgers that have been causing so much trouble. Well, and know. she digs out this... The flip-o- Flip-O-Matic. Flip-o- Flip-O-Matic. That she bought, obviously, from some horrible as-seen-on-TV store. For, Flip-O-Matic, it's probably OxyClean ShamWow-branded slap-chop yeah, yeah, o yeah, yeah. one of this garbage as seen on TV crap. the only kind of present you get someone you barely know or care for right and she insists even though she uh, Arthur's mom has a spatula that works perfectly fine she insists on using the flip well
1: because it was a gift that she sent her and she noticed it was unopened <laughs> And she says, "Maybe you don't know how to use it." So decides to show her how to use it. Because I, like,
0: it, I think it's her tone. As we're describing these events so far, they're not eliciting the same negative reaction as they were when I was actually watching the episode. Well, because it's
1: not I, because she's kind of oblivious to it. She's not like condesc. I don't find that she's like condescending or anything. She's just kind of not not very self aware.
0: I, I guess. I think there's like a few flashes of character moments a little bit later on. But maybe maybe this is all me. Yeah, uh, I think you may
1: be reading a little bit too much into this. But it does lead to a f- fun gag with Mr. Haney, where it's like the flipomatic is like spring-loaded and with like three things. So she sets it too high, and they go flying. And
0: this it's is also got like three prongs. Yeah, so you. Well, that's flip, what I mean. She can yeah. do three at one time. Three burgers at once, but it also has like settings, so you could flip the burgers super high in the air. Yeah, which not a I, lot of purpose to no, it. No,
1: you don't really need to do that. But. But it leads to Mr. Haney uh, stepping outside, setting himself up for failure by proclaiming what a wonderful day it is, and then getting three burgers in the in the mug. Like, three burgers to the grill.
0: Uh, Mr. Haney is, and you can take a drink on this one, too. He's wearing his c Right leisure wear. Yes. That's the first time we've seen Mr. Haney in a t-shirt, flip-flops, and shorts. Mm-hmm. And he go-
1: like his real exercise gear. Like he goes say. outside
0: and he goes, ah, oh, what a perfect day. The sun is shining. The air is clear. The burgers are, the burgers, and then, whap wow, three burgers And then in the Three face.
1: burgers landing on his face is enough for him to say, screw it, <laughs> I'm not going outside today, which I understand. Yeah,
0: dude, like, Mr. Haney, like, the flashes of Mr. Haney's life we've seen so far, I feel like this day was, like, the one bright spot in his week. He's got to deal with kids about to fail, accidentally <laughs> sticking lollipops in places instead of Kleenex. All kinds of stuff. So this was the highlight of Mr. Haney's week, and it was ruined by by a meat hail
1: story. I wanted to highlight kind of the Arthur's family member that annoys me the most, and that's his nerd cousin who kind of intercepts him as Arthur is headed towards the door and kind of sneaks up on him, and he's kind of like, he's, he's a nerd because he is trying to show Arthur his comic collection that he brought with him in, like, a briefcase or something, and he's kind of dressed like... In sort of like a proper like child suit, and so he's telling him about like how he's got spot he's got Spider Guy number one. He's also got issues of Mister Stupendous and Mega Metal.
0: Is he also wearing like vampire
1: teeth? That's the thing. Is that a- what I was going to say? Is that bothered me when I was a kid? Is that he's got these he's got these two front teeth that are like pr- prominent, and I think I think that the idea is that they wanted him to kind of have buck teeth. Oh, I thought he was, because the but, suit, I just thought he was wearing vampire right. costume. But you're right.
0: Is that he has like the? They look like vampire teeth. And you know what? That's kind of the, that fits with your like nerd assessment because that's something that nerdy kids do. They wear their Naruto headbands to school. But I, I can don't, see. But a, I don't. But I don't know because you. would,
1: you, It could. I don't think that he was like wearing a vampire costume. Like it didn't seem like that to me. It seemed like more of just like a suit. It wasn't like he was wearing a cape or something. Which is kind of which is kind of what you need. And he wasn't like no attention was paid to it. And like we see him in another episode and he's not oh. wearing he's still got the teeth. And I think that they're
0: supposed to be buck teeth, but you're right. They look like vampire fangs. And that's what I always thought when I was a kid. Spider Guy number one kinda looks like Spider Man when he has the Iron Man spider suit with like the arms and it's yeah. the yellow and red. It's kinda Spider Guy number one, he's kinda orange or purple. But yeah, that's so, neither
1: here nor there. So Arthur brushes him off because Mo kind of sees him and like we said the A plot is Arthur trying to get back into the house but my biggest frustration with this is that multiple times Arthur in trying to escape by whatever means necessary completely walks by a door that is not even doesn't even have anybody in it. Like they get into a sack race. Like Arthur is some, has somehow made a full lap of the house and is trying to outrun Mo. And he like gets into a sack race and ends up winning it because he wants to desperately get away.
0: He hops right by the back door. Well, it does impress Arthur's uncle, who goes, "Wow, we that is a fast little fella." Oh, Usain bolt. <laughs> <laughs> you same bolt. You. Oh, I love him. I love him.
3: He does he does he does give
1: a good wow wee. I appreciate a good wow uh, so so Arthur kind of making this harder on himself. Like at one point he's just like under a table and kind of like bringing it along with him and then scurries out under it. Again,
0: super r- metal gear solid. Right by
1: the Yeah, sure, but right by the back door. Like I don't understand why he can't just go in the back door. Like, it, it doesn't make sense.
0: As he's doing this, we get this—this this is really strange for a kid's show. I, I love this moment, but it's weird that they put this in here. We get to see, which I can only assume is—it's either Arthur's dad's brother or Arthur's brother. Well, so cousin. this
1: isn't when he's sneaking by the table. He's oh. Now he's just, like, sneaking by General, like he's holding X, and he's just— pushing the analog stick forward ever so slightly as this conversation is going on. But I wanted to talk about this, too.
0: Yeah, so it's one of his relatives, and it's... His uncle, question mark, Sean. His name is Sean. So this is so funny, because you know, like, one of the writers... Everybody knows somebody who always talks about their novel.
1: I think that... I, I, But you know what? Before you get into it, I think that's a good call. Like, he... Like, Sean and Arthur's dad look very similar. So Mm -hmm. I would say... I'd say that's probably spot on. Like, I think that that's probably... His dad's brother.
0: But what's crazy is, like, I feel like I know all these people. This is what I like about this episode, even though it's not a great plot-wise, and we'll mm-hmm. get into this more later. Like, these characters are, like... It's like when I compliment the character design and say something like Overwatch. Overwatch is characters you can look at a character... If you haven't played the game, it's like a game where you... It's, it's like, like, like a, a shooter g- game. It's like a game. Uh, it's like, Exactly. It's a shooter game, but something that's very important to it is that it's class-based, so you need to be able to look at a silhouette and immediately know what the character's like, not only in storyline, but how it plays. So fast characters are... Stocky and skinny, and and they look fast. These characters d- in this Arthur episode, you kind of know everything you need to know about them with one look. So Arthur's uncle, that's the loudmouth with the mustache and the the photograph. He reminds me of my family from Hamilton, Ontario. No offense, they're very similarly We're, boisterous. Whereas
1: whereas uh, whereas Uncle Sean here is much more buttoned up, like with glasses, kind of much more like I at one point in my notes I call him like a proto-hipster because he's talking about a lot of stuff that like you know, all my friends have read it and all that sort of stuff.
0: He's very much an intellectual. Yeah,
1: an intellectual, I think, is a much better term for it. Like, almost like a university professor.
0: Mm-hmm. And he reminds me of my Uncle Colin, who is similar, very similar. Like he have, looks we, the same. Like,
1: we've all met people like that. We all may have them in our family. So, to go on your thread here about his this conversation, it's Sean talking with Grandma Thora and Grandma Thora's mother, like, really great-grandma. Uh, they just call her grandma throughout the thing. Um... And Sean is talking about his latest project, which is an original mystery. It's a man hounded by his past on the run from a dreaded enemy. He's hounded everywhere he goes. It seems like there's no escape. And so this kind of was – when I was thinking of this episode, I was like, I feel like there's a lot more adult jokes in this one. And I didn't find that so much, but what you're kind of saying about, like, recognizing people that you know through their looks, yes. And this is definitely more of an adult thing because – grandma kind of cuts in and is just like oh you mean like the fugitive or les miserables and i'm like i know what those two things are yeah me too and i see what she's saying she's like he's like it's like my new project an original mystery and gives this incredibly catch all description for like hundreds of books movies everything out there and then like she kind of unwittingly calls him on it and then he says well yes but completely different
0: and I never realized, but The Fugitive and Les Miserables, I, like, I would never pair those two things together. It's, it's some interesting If you polls. boil them
1: down to their basics, it's, right. it's, it's it's kind of the same thing. But
0: I never realized that until now. She also uh, infers 39 Steps, the Alfred Hitchcock film.
1: That's what that is. Okay, I didn't know what that was.
0: Yeah, I've, I only know about it, I've actually never seen it, which I'm a little embarrassed to say, but it's one of Hitchcock's earlier films. It's, I think, from... The 30s. I'll have to check that again. It's either the 30s or 50s. I know big. I I, I
1: haven't seen it. Uh, There is a criterion of it. I would say the 50s. I would. My guess would be the 50s, but I can't say that I know. Okay, I was wondering what that was. So yeah, that's kind of a snapshot of his character a little bit. Then they have themselves uh, uh, an egg race, (laughs) which is where we, which is where I know is Sean's name because uh, somebody was saying his name in the background. So it comes down to a dead heat between Grandma and Ricky. (laughs) And this is it. we get more sideline jabber from uh, Ricky's father.
0: What can I say? I'm easy to please. I love these family hijinks. Like, you're rooting for Grandma so hard. Like, compared to Ricky, Grandma because... is such a baby face. Because she's the underdog. She's a great grandma. She's at the
1: back. She's using a cane to walk. And she's not out in front. Like, Ricky's out in front. And so, like, he like it's his, it's his race to lose.
0: And, of course, as we've established before, Ricky's an athlete. <laughs> uh... It's his race to lose. And guess what? He loses it.
3: Hey, Ricky, piece of cake. <laughs> you're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> kind of sounds, like, sounds like Vinny from Giant
1: Bomb when he puts on the real New York accent. Oh, the
0: Bruno voice? Little yeah, bit, I see bit. that. So,
1: yeah, and uh, Grandma wins, and she does this cute little endgame spike of the egg onto the ground. <laughs> and his dad knows it's uh, hard-boiled next time. So right, because it's some of the- R- Ricky's egg goes from his spoon to the uncle's
0: Forehead. some egg shrapnel yeah
1: <laughs> then they're playing charades and sean is doing something incredibly obscure <laughs> which is like he's trying to try to communicate bridge but you know they're guessing everything bridge that they could possibly think of and bridge then bridge on
0: the river Kwai, the bridges of br- madison county which i think is the movie that got my dad to stop liking clint eastwood Oh, I'm not certain. Oh, no. My dad loved Clint Eastwood when he was a kid. Okay. And then he so made I, so bridges over Madison County, and it bridges. was all downhill from there. Oh, man. I think that's the movie. I might be thinking of a different movie. No, but.
1: no, I think you're right on because uh, that was Clint Eastwood, but man, oh, man, that sucks.
0: Uh, people guess uh, a, bridge, bridge, a uh, bridge too far. Uh, DW. London, London Bridge is falling down.
1: down. And then I, I, I remember this uh, off by heart. As many things I do, I've hardly looked at my notes for a lot of these lines. It's uh uh, on the bridges of medieval Paris, Some... a
0: record of early 14th century life by Virginia Wiley Egbert. So I looked this up. Oh, this... I, I I wanted to know is it is re- this a goof? Is it real or is this a real book? This is a real textbook. What? I was sh- I was like delighted when I figured this out. It's on Amazon. You can get the hardcover for thirty bucks. Oh. It is written by Virginia Wiley Egbert, and it's like a textbook. You need so Christmas present. Exactly.
1: There you go. On, you the, wanna... <laughs> on the bridges of medieval... That's crazy. I didn't even think to do that. That's great. Uh, it, it... And, of course, lending further credence to the fact that he is an intellectual, maybe even a professor or teacher of some kind.
0: Uh, and everybody kind of, like, gasped... Like not already groaned. They, they all groaned because... Even like... Pal. Like, you can see Pal <laughs> go, Ugh. Well, it's like, if this is something I would fall into, like, if we were playing charades and I something that was too obscure for my family. If they were like name movies and I picked the seventh seal hmm. and everybody would groan at me in a similar way. Like, sure. Lucas, couldn't you pick Star Wars or something? Right. So everybody groans and we kind of get an indifferent d- Sean who goes, well, all my friends have read it. Right.
1: Sean doesn't really <laughs> play to a crowd. Uh, <laughs> Which is
0: great. This is, it's sure. just cool character work. Sure. I love this.
1: Um, so finally, everybody's kind of tired and uh, Arthur's dad's trying to get them to play more games. But then it starts to rain. Uh, Thunder, actually. Well,
0: so Arthur's dad's trying to get them to play musical shoes, which I'm not, uh, so he's got all these wooden galoshes. Yeah. I guess you play it like musical tears where you gotta hop into the shoes before someone else did, but also, and this is very topical, mind you, Arthur's dad is decked out in full on clown gear, mm. which, hey, if this was 2016, I'd be a little sus of Arthur's dad. <laughs> Why's he got that clown gear, huh, Arthur's dad? What are, you, what are you doing with that clown costume, Arthur's dad? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's a good, he's a good clown. He only clowns for good. Is he though, or yeah. is he taking part in Spooktober? Oh my god! Why did I let you do this?
1: So they all run. They all run inside, and this is when Arthur finally gets inside. When everybody else is inside, it took him this whole time. He's this could have been so easy. He overbooked
0: this like WCW. Maybe maybe the doors were locked. (laughs) Also, when everybody goes inside, right? It starts raining. Arthur's dad is so desperate to follow this itinerary. He goes, maybe that was just a sonic boom. What? Excuse me? Excuse me? What? What does that mean, Arthur's dad? What are you talking about? Who hears lightning and who hears thunder? It goes, oh, it was probably just a sonic boom. Does that naturally occur in nature? I'm honestly ask- asking. This isn't a rhetorical question. Like, have I been missing out on this sonic boom phenomena? Was Guile off screen? And Arthur's dad was no, aware of no. him.
1: A sonic, b- sonic boom is a noise that's created when a jet goes over. Okay. It's, 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 the, it's, like, it's related to the Doppler effect. It's when, like a, when a fast aircraft flies over, the effect that you get afterwards, like the sound and kind of the feeling is called a sonic boom. Because so, like, of, the Doppler effect is related to the sound that carries when something passes. You.
0: My goodness, I didn't know you had such a that, deep knowledge of aerial engineering.
1: Thank you, Incarta 96. The Doppler effect was uh, an entry in that Encarta encyclopedia that had like an animatic. So I remember that.
0: I should have ordered that instead of the uh, On the Bridges of Medieval Paris textbook.
1: No, now we can make better use of On the Bridges of Medieval Paris. Arthur and DW kind of meet each other in the basement. And DW says maybe the road will wash out and Mo will have to stay with us all week. And Arthur's about to lambast her, but then he hears the piano playing. And he goes, in, he goes in the room and he sees Mo playing the piano. And I think it's meant to imply that she's doing it well. But I found that her style of play was a little odd because, like, the way that they draw her playing, it's not like. Fingers on the keys at first. It's really, she's kind of like slamming her hands
0: down a little bit, but she's playing what seems to be pretty well. I don't know. It's difficult, right? Because when you see people play piano skillfully, their hands move so fast, it's kind of hard to see what's going on. Maybe the animators were trying to capture that because it's also hard to like. It's hard to draw fingers if you've ever tried to draw fingers. I'm no artist, and even I know that. Sure, Uh, I can't tell, but I didn't even catch on on that. I think this is
1: well because at one point she kind of makes a little mistake, and that's what that's what spurs Arthur on to kind of correct her and like actually make contact with her. Is that she's kind of trying to figure something out, and then Arthur kind of plays it for her next door.
0: So right before this I think this is the moment that kind of colored my opinion of Arthur's aunt. Uh when it's raining outside. Oh yeah. Uh, and
1: she and she says it's probably Arthur's mom says it's probably just a light shower.
0: And then Arthur's aunt kind of like rolls her eyes and goes, "Of course, dear, whatever you say."
1: Well, and and I think be, I think in that case it's like it really wasn't a light shower because it, any rain that comes with thunder isn't light. And I feel like I I feel like that, that was kind of an opportunity for Arthur's aunt to be like, "Uh-huh, sure."
0: Like, maybe she was still feeling bur- scorned by the fact that Arthur's mom never opened up the uh flippomatic
1: could be so Arthur and Mo are playing piano and then it's revealed that Mo actually learned to play piano because she always wanted to from seeing Arthur play it and she wanted to learn how to do it too finally it's revealed that Mo was not trying to she was tr- she was trying to find Arthur this whole time but she reveals that it's because Arthur is her favorite relative and the only reason she comes to the reunions is so that she can play with him which I mean okay like I whenever I would go to my uh my aunt knuckles which wasn't so much a family reunion but we'd have family members there like I would always go off with my younger cousin and like we're really we're really close uh and uh like we will still do that like when I see him maybe once or twice a year at those kind of get-togethers we'll we'll just kind of like talk talk to each other like we're really close Okay, and so I understand the idea of like going to something and I wouldn't go there for just him but like really pairing off really finding a kinship with one family member but like man I hope she understood that she had a real weird way of showing it and like Arthur's not going to be Arthur's not going to be totally trustworthy of her after like three years of basically torture
0: well I also think that this is like (sighs) And I might, this might be a classic case of Lucas looking too deep into things, but I think this is an example of, you know, people change as they get older. They mature, and I think they learn how to express themselves in different ways. This really reminded me of my relationship with my older cousin, and she is about, it's the same age difference. She's a couple years older than me. She's in her mid-20s, whereas I'm in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And I think when we were younger, we would kind of grind each other's gears a little bit, we'd make fun of each other, stuff like that. Get on each other's but we nerves. have more of a kinship the older we get. And I think this shows that like as people get older, especially kids, they learn to express themselves in more amicable ways. Okay. So I think that I think you're kind
1: of right about that, and I kind of agree because when my cousin and I were much younger and he's he's maybe I think he's like 3 or 4 years younger than me and yeah like a lot of you you're right like we wouldn't always be like rosy like he was he would be an annoying kid and I would be an annoying kid so okay I'm 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 picking up what you're putting down here Also
0: if you're a yellow belt in judo when you're a kid what good is knowing judo if you can't throw your relatives that's the whole point
1: I guess so Uh I mean I do find I do find it's a little bit like it's like they play piano and almost forgiven and I'm like nah I bet Arthur's going to be a little bit untrustworthy of her given his penchant for anxiety but i'm hearing what you're saying and i i i don't disbelieve it so i think that that's uh that's a good way of looking at it probably a bit better than i did so they so they play piano and then the episode wraps up with everybody kind of coming into the living room and you know dancing around making the best of a rainy situation
3: i hear the pretty music
0: i love this it's like it's it's like billy Joel. the P- Hey, everybody the piano man's playing <laughs> It's the piano man. Well,
3: why don't you play Uptown Girl, Audie? Uh,
0: hey, you got Freebird? You know Freebird on that thing? Play those pearly ivories.
3: Simple man. Yeah. Simple man.
0: <laughs>
3: this, this bird you cannot change, Ricky. I'm oh, sorry, I've been drinking.
0: His aunt <laughs> says, This is way better than my Mincematic demonstration. His aunt's oh, essentially the female embodiment of the Sham the, the Wow guy.
1: Yeah, Vince Offer.
0: Oh, so do you know the Sham Wild guy's sure, name. I'm do-
1: impressed. Who doesn't? It ends in success, and his his like he he said it was the biggest and best reunion ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's kind of ends ends on a high note there. So that's the end of the episode. So, uh, what did you think of these two episodes? Very
0: interesting pair of episodes. Like, so the first episode. I I enjoyed it a lot. Like, I thought it was a really fun, entertaining episode. But it's funny. I had a similar problem with the first episode as you had with the second. I found the conclusion kind of came out of nowhere. It, it, It was odd because Arthur's struggling with the Temple Twins. He's struggling, struggling, struggling. He tells the spooky story. They get scared of him. Grandma Tibble comes home. And then all is fine? I feel like the ending kind of came out of nowhere. Like I don't understand how, all of a sudden, because he was able to scare the Tibble twins, it kind of erased all the hardship he had to go with. Immediate, he had to go through immediately beforehand, and so all of a sudden he's game to babysit them for the rest of the week. You know mm-hmm. what I
1: mean? Yes. No, I I completely understand. In that sense, it reminds it reminds me a lot of uh, Bounces Back in the sense of just like the ending didn't kind of equal the parts of it. Um, I think it kind of is almost more of a functional episode because it introduces kind of the Tibble Twins, uh, and which who go on to kind of flesh out DW's world a little more. And it was kind of, it, it was almost like this episode was kind of to get the Tibble Twins over. And you kind of had to sell them, you had to sell them to an audience as a tag team. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and like aside from that, like
0: I, I Perry mean. very Steider brothers esque trying yeah. to fit them to anything, <laughs> yeah. anyway.
1: That's that's Rick in the red kerchief and Scott <laughs> in the blue one. <laughs> uh,
0: but uh I'll tell you what though, like sometimes the utilitarian episodes can kind of kind of wash over me just because they don't have rising and falling action or they're they don't have a really good three act structure. Yeah. But this episode I found still really entertaining like i won't hold that against it
1: yeah and i mean again when i'm when i say i'm not a huge fan of an arthur episode i don't think there has been too like i don't think there's really been more than maybe one or two that i've been like oh that was like bad yeah. like they're hardly ever bad and they're usually a good time to watch and of course it helps that they're like they're just brief like because there's two episodes like it's like 10 minutes so it doesn't really bother me that much this one i kind of didn't get a whole lot of feelings from like it just kind of left me
0: it, I just feel kind of mild about it. Like it's fine. Like I see. I think at their worst, a lot of them like. Though at their worst, they're uninteresting. You know what I mean? Yes. Like Arthur's go to camp. Arthur goes to camp wasn't bad. It was just simply uninteresting. Yeah, a little dull. So this one. And this might just because I'm a mark for the Tibble twins, mm-hmm. but I just I was throughfully entertained with this one. I th- I th- throughfully I think yeah. you just invented a word uh, hey if you've been paying attention another one of the drinking game Lucas stumbles and invents a word that's uh, happened plenty <laughs>
1: um yeah I mean it, it's it's fine it's to- it's totally fine but just I and the Tibble twins are an interesting addition, which I think like you said adds adds a little chaos into the mix yeah other than that I, I like I wouldn't go to go to bat for it necessarily,
0: so Arthur's cousin catastrophe
1: so I think I think I know where this is going, so do you mind if I kind of give mine first? sure, absolutely. I wasn't as crazy about this as I think you are, mm-hmm. like I can tell from talking about it you have very strong feelings about it. I think I thought I was going to like this a lot more than I did, and it's kind of the same with the Tibbletwins twins episode. I think it's fine and I think I would feel a little better about it if – I will say one of my problems was kind of the resolution of it all, but the way that you kind of interpreted – kind of the way that Mo and Arthur kind of make peace kind of makes sense in a realistic sense. But I also kind of – it also kind of bothers me that we never really went back to these characters again. So I feel like it's kind of a little bit of a, a bit of a throwaway. Like which it, maybe not th- maybe throwaway is a little strong, but like kind of a a one-off. A, maybe filler. Like if we're talking in like terms of like if this were an anime it would be like a filler <laughs> episode, which filler episodes can be fun. And this one pretty much was. This but is, also but this also this is the
0: equivalent where all the characters go to the beach sure. in an anime. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, they yeah they go to the hot springs. Yeah. I liked it fine, but it it just kind of it didn't do much for me beyond that. So what did you think?
0: So, and I have to sort of frame this in that this is my personal opinion. Like, I can recognize that plot-wise, this episode's very weak. We actually, like, Arthur's main plot does not take up the majority of the episode. It's mostly family hijinks. But because I relate, and it
1: and it's decidedly like low. It's pretty low stakes.
0: It's low stakes, especially especially like
1: we like the the stakes we realize can be pretty high in this show. Like we like in the last episode, I was just listening to it as I was editing today, with with Pal's life <laughs> hanging
0: in the balance. So the stakes can be pretty high if they want them to be, but like. And again, this is just me. I think this episode worked for me personally for a lot of reasons. Like, it was kind of firing on all cylinders to be a Lucas episode. One, lots of adult characters. You know I love the adult characters in Arthur. Two, I think, like, the caricatures of family was so on point Mm -hmm. and so relatable in terms of when, like, my family gets together that I just thought the whole thing was hilarious when we're seeing spots of the family. Uh, And I think... What we did have of the Arthur storyline, I think it's because I saw it differently from this perspective of I think when people mature, it's easier to bury the hatchet because you're like, oh, yeah, weren't we silly when we were kids? And now that we're adult, we could just be friends because this is what happens when you reach a certain age. Because I was already viewing it through that lens, I think the main plot worked a little bit better for me than it did for you. So all that said, like, I really, I had a great time watching this episode. And these two episodes as a pair, they're a weird mix. Like, this was a weird pair of episodes. Like, Mm -hmm. one of them is very much not filler. It introduces a whole new dimension to the Arthur universe in fleshing out Sort of DW's universe with the Tibble twins, Mm -hmm. and then this other one is just sort of an excuse for the writers to be like, "Look at Arthur's family. Look at his uncle. Look at this guy." Hey, I don't know. I had a great time watching this Arthur episode as a whole. Well, good.
1: I'm glad. I'm glad that you did. And like, would it be a fair guess that this that uh, cousin catastrophe could be a, a contender for your top five at the end of the season?
0: I think certainly, but I also think that like. This is uh, something about these two episodes together as a pair. Even though both of them kind of didn't have great conclusions, they worked together for me as like this is a good pairing of episodes. I think a lot of episodes so far we've had like kind of one sleeper and then one like one I really liked, for instance, Arthur goes to camp and uh, Buster makes the grade. Yeah, I kind of felt really mellow about Arthur goes to camp and I think Buster makes the grade was my favorite individual episode so far.
1: It's really strong.
0: I think this one is a solid twofer okay all just, right just just for me personally. okay
1: well, very good then. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, talking about it with us and thank you very much for listening. Uh, and of course, we will leave you to next week. Um, coming up next week, uh, kind of two that I don't remember very well, and, I'll, and, I, and I and I and I like that because I I like when I'm going into things with a little bit of a, a, a new, like I like I need to kind of refresh my memory. Next week, we'll be talking about Arthur's birthday and Francine Frensky, superstar.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. So I'm interested. There's bits and pieces I remember from each of them, and I'll be happy to uh, to talk about them once again. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Elwood City Limits. We really do appreciate it. Of course, you can find us, Facebook, Elwood City Limits. You can find us on Twitter at ECL Podcast, and email us with anything you like, Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. Uh, rate and review on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. You can also
0: find us on SoundCloud if iTunes isn't your bag, and yeah. And hey, homework for the audience. If you see Arthur costumes, uh, send us in those pictures. We'll try and repost them and credit them best we can. And also, if you have ideas for the Elwood City drinking game, I'd love to hear some of those.
1: I can almost guarantee you that, like, that's the way that I will get my girlfriend to listen to a podcast if I make it into the drinking game. That's how I made her a wrestling fan. Is that I made the Royal Rumble a drinking game? So this is this is gonna happen. Maybe it may, it may be an end of season treat. Of course, the end of the season coming along. we've got a long way to go as I look at the episode list but maybe for the end of the season we'll do a little special episode and that will be part of it so I will keep that in the back of my mind would always love your suggestions and of course you know where to put them Facebook, Twitter, email, and all of that alright Lucas what do you got to say? don't
0: just stand there Mr. Piano Man invite us in huh?
1: invite us in thanks a lot, this is Elwood City Limits my name's Will, that's Lucas Good night. happy spook
0: October, everybody. All right, this will be some fun cutting room floor time filling. Get all warmed up. Will's not even here, so I could say whatever I want about him. Just you, the listener, will get to hear what I think of Will. I actually think he happens to be a pretty stand-up guy, but don't tell him I said that. It'll be our little secret. I've been watching Naruto ship it in. It's really terrible, but sometimes it's like, I don't know, it's mostly nostalgia. It reminds me of when I used to watch it when I was a kid. And uh, right now, it's all about Sasuke, and what can I say? He's pretty cool. And Will's back. Shh, it'll be our little secret.